to Quarter Zone, a podcast on sci-fi, philosophy, religion, politics, gaming, and anything else taboo. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm alright, I'm the Cogito, here with my Cartesian terminology of the other. Yeah, I'm here face to face with Ben Benassi, <laughs> we're looking at each other, we yes. are with the other. The, the other, the, yeah. the duality. The duality, yeah. Yes. So we are talking about Emmanuel Levinon today. Mm. Did I? Did we say that? I'm Ben. Oh Isaac. yeah. Yeah. I'm Tara Smith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you all know who we are. Yeah. Anyway, um, what have you been doing? Um, bit of cats. <laughs> bit of cats. Bit, bit of. of a, there's been a hoarding cat situation, so I've been. Okay. I went and um and carried some cats out. Um, they had forty cats. Yeah, about. So you said you weren't going to do that. Well, this is the thing. I didn't take any home. <laughs> so <laughs> you're back. Okay. So last week, backstory. Last yeah. week. The week, week before. I Tara have cats. says, no, nah, no more. No cats. No, but no this more. is different. Can't, can't <laughs> do the cat neuter release thing anymore. Yeah, but this isn't TNR. This is, these are cats in someone's house. It's a, it's a hoarding situation that's gone oh, out of control. Oh, no. <laughs> that's yeah, even worse. Anyway, it's fine. Man. It's through a rescue, though. So I, I was just the muscle. So I came in, I put cats in cages, and I took them to the car. And then that's the rescue doing all the face-to-face with the person. So, so where's the cats going now? They're getting de Some of them getting rehomed. A lot of them are going to get brought back. Because the owner wanted to keep them. None of them are microchipped. They're all strays that are bred. So they started with five cats, maybe like five years ago. Jeez. And they've bred and bred and bred and they haven't yeah. de-sexed anything. And they know where the food is and they're just going to keep coming. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, it's not a great situation. Mm. All the cats had some, had um, ringworm, like, they were, but, you know, and they're like various stages of friendly. Some of them are going to really struggle to be rehomed because they just yeah. haven't been, how do you socialize a cat when there's 40 of them? Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't, you can't really. Yeah. They, they, they're also outside too, so they weren't all inside, yeah, they're right. in and out. Anyway, I think on that day we caught like 15 cats, pretty good, you know, took them out and they're now going to, a lot of those kittens are going to get rehomed, so I'm mm. happy. And then I just got to um, write my hands off it, off it. What? <laughs> We're going to have to change the microphone. Here we go. Yeah, right. good, good game. Oh, yeah, so I got to just wipe my hands off it, and that was that. Um, so I feel like that was good. I didn't get too involved, you know, just mm. a little bit involved. Um, what else is happening? I'm just looking back at my calendar. Cats are hard inside. Like, two cats are running our house. Yeah. I've been going inside Jack and Russell's room. We've got the double bunks now. Yeah. And Peanut, like the big Peanut. Peanut's a big one. Mm-hmm. Peach is a smaller one. They're sitting up on Jack's bed at the bunk. How did you get up there? Like, what is going on? And you just walk in there and their, like, little head is poking up <laughs> above the bed. And, um, and they just run the place. Yeah, but exactly. Can you imagine 40? Like, these yeah. cats, they kept grabbing cats, being like, oh, this is Tinkles. I'm like, oh, I don't care. And the, the son had some learning disabilities. Right. I mean, you, you can't expect there to be some sort of, to have 40 cats in your house. Something's going on. You know what I mean? Oh. And every cat, they're like, can you make sure you bring them back? And we're like, we will. <laughs> it's like. And the, the mom's going like, don't bring them back. Yeah, right. Because, you know, she can't handle. Anyway, so that was Sunday. Saturday, um, it was vegan day out. So Glebe does a vegan day out where... <laughs> the vegans are allowed out. Yeah, we're allowed, we're allowed to come out of our <laughs> carrot farms and, and socialise with society. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one day of month that you have the energy to go out yeah. and then you're exhausted for the rest of the month. Because, yeah, it zaps everything. You know, yeah. once you've kind of got the energy of getting out of the house and, you know, yeah. with yeah. someone yeah. like it's Without the, the, yeah. yeah. So they do things where each, a lot of the cafes have <laughs> discounts all on Glee. So, like, 10% off here or okay. free coffee when you order. So 
because um, Glebe now so many vegan places in Glebe now. Um, yeah. And there was also the Rare Book Fair. So I went to Sydney University, had a Rare Book Fair yeah, Friday and Saturday. So mm. had a look. Did you buy me anything? Any Rare Books? It was so expensive. I looked at a bead oh. book for Tom and I was like, oh, this looks good. Because it was like an old bead book. And yeah. it was like $1,830. And I was like, <laughs> gee, what? <laughs> really? I wouldn't spend that much on a book. Wow. And I like books. So that was the weekend. Um, I told you I picked up the first edition of Tolstoy, didn't I? No, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Recently? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, mis- mislabeled at Barrel. Like, they had it for, I think, only $60 or something. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was well, what do you mean it was mislabeled? Because oh, it's the old way of spelling his name, Tolstoy with an I, oh. but not without the Y. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, just old book. And then, um, I had it, and then I got it, and they're like, oh, today we have a discount on it. And I got it for, like, 20-something dollars. I'm like, holy moly. <laughs> First edition Tolstoy. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was also in English. The so first edition English. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was Tom and my six-year anniversary. I went today. Yeah, multiple. Yeah. yeah, six mm. six years. Six years. Yeah. Um, so Where that was nice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just had a despondent. <laughs> <laughs> six years. Oh my god. Um, no, we had just we went out for dinner and just had a pretty chill mm. evening. Um, that's minor service. Six years. That's yeah. that's misdemeanor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, we dropped a cat. I think I told, you know the cat we had, the female cat that had the desexing. Yeah. I had to take her to the vet and get them to rehome her because Thomas was being too aggressive. <laughs> Did I tell you this already? <laughs> Thomas wanted to beat the shit out of yeah. her. Yeah. So I had to. They have a good track record rehoming cats. So okay. I t- took her there in Collaroy, yeah. Collaroy vet. And then each day I'd be like feeling bad about it, but I mean, like I did the best I could. But I'm worried that she's just... Because she hasn't been rehomed yet. So she's just sitting in cages. And I don't know. I have a bit of guilt coming up for it. But Just millions of cats. I know. But once once I have that connection, I find it really hard to let go. This is why you should stop meeting cats. It's true. I should. Anyway, that's me done. What about you? What have you been up to? Uh, I finished my article on Walter Day, finally. So 8,500 words tracking his life, his history, and how what he does is a religious pilgrimage, mm-hmm. um, which was a great joy to finish. Um, you did so that we, really quickly, like four days is what you wrote. Felt like it. Yep. Yep. Basically, that's what I had all the data and stuff, but yeah, I had to actually write the thing. But yeah, yeah I, I locked myself in uh, the garage, like with Jodie would go to bed, like 8 o'clock, 8.30, whatever time she gets to bed. <laughs> um, and I'd be there until like 1 o'clock in the morning every night. Um, just get it Just finished. writing, just smashing it out. Yeah. Then I gave it to her to read, and she was like, oh yeah, two edits on it. Like two, like, and then I read it, I'm like, holy moly, this is shit. <laughs> I did like 50 edits at each page and then I, I sent it in. It was due on the 1st of November um, and I got it in on the 1st of November. Nice. So, yeah, happy with that. Um, what else have I been doing? Very busy with the shop, with planning for Christmas. I'm quite stressed about things with that, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens. Um, I don't know. Went swimming. Isaiah didn't really have a breakdown. He had a little oh, yeah. bit of a breakdown. This is the pool saga. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's still sort of continuing, but it, it's okay. Uh, oh! Did I, something happen? No, like, I feel like some 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 traumatic experience must have happened. Jodie's mother took him to the beach. We're not sure if something happened there or not. But, and then that's when you noticed the behaviour with the pool starting? Yeah, yeah, there was a change. Maybe she just threw him in. Maybe. Maybe he doesn't like the beach. Maybe. Like Could you. Run in the family. Oh. Yeah. yeah, well, the way you talk <laughs> about water, it's not a surprise if he's picking up on your negativity. Like, yeah, what, a four-year-old's going to listen to me about the ontological reasoning oh, like kids are smarter than you think. It. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I blame you. Yeah, okay. Um, 
Jodie and I went to the movies and we saw Terminator, the new film. It's a new Terminator film? Yeah. <laughs> it was good... It just came out. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. I really like Terminator. Yeah. It's very good. So what's this, like, the fourth? Uh, fifth? Fifth, wow. I think. Fifth or sixth. How did Arnie look? He's old. He's pretty old, yeah. yeah. But he's still a badass. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Cool fight scenes. Cool story. Um, spoilers. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. Is he uh, back? I'll be back to come back. There's a couple of lines <laughs> with some of the characters saying, I'll be back and I won't be back, which oh, is really? quite funny. <laughs> um, but spoilers, it features two women characters, very strong lead, and like women are, are central to the mm. story. They already did that, though. The Terminator. Is it Terminator 2? Has the female... No, no, no. She's... She... The... They, the mum's always badass, though. Yeah, but they touch on it. The, the issue with doing that is that she has to survive to carry the son, oh, which okay. is going to lead the rebellion. So it's still pretty male focused. That's right, yeah. So you, you are the carrier, if you like. The, but the incubator. The, the incubator, yeah. But the women in, in this are, are given a lead. Um, mm. central well, a lot of films are doing it these days and getting a lot of mm. flack from the PC police, like from people that are saying that PC gone bad, you know, like because a lot of well, females. It's just stupid. Like the, the assumption that a woman's just there to carry another child. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's the um, same with um, Ghostbusters, right? They switched all the. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so Ghostbusters, that's right. So they, yeah, they switched them all to, to female characters yeah. and then um, they're attacked because it was a shit film, which, you know. Fundamentally, and then people are going, oh, yeah, you only hate it because there's women. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with... I think, though, that female characters shouldn't just be switched. They should just have stronger characters right. when they... Yeah. I don't and think they should just swap them. That, to me, just seems and that's tokenistic. What they yeah, totally. And this is not tokenistic, what yeah. they did in Terminator. It's really, really well thought out, yeah. uh, well presented, and it's got an equality of voices um, well, across the great. board. Because so it won't, really switching difficult. doesn't always work because those characters no. are often cast, well the characters are created as men in the first place so unless you are going back and really changing the backstory, is that where it really will yeah. work in sequels and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, totally. It's weird. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. I think everyone should go see it. It's oh, very cool. good. It's very, very good. Oh, I've been watching a good show too, actually. I'm yeah, getting into Korean dramas. Like, just really... There's a Korean... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's unexpected. There's a Korean drama called Kingdom. It's okay. awesome. It's like zombie kind of period piece Korean, but super violent. I really liked it. Like, mm. the, the zombies are really... You know how some zombies are kind of, like, slow? These yeah. guys are really fast. Like, have you seen... Um, is it Planet and X or Z? What was he? Yeah, yeah. You had that really fast? Really yeah. I like that. Because, you know, the idea that there's, like, slow lumbering. But these ones are real, like, like their heads rotate all around. It's kind of yeah. like... And then they don't like uh, sunlight, so kind of, like, vampire. It, it, it. But, like, the show's just really... Um, the costumes, like... I don't know, something about... Cur- Korean period pieces just must put like 80% of the budget on costuming. It's yeah. amazing. No yeah. CGI except yeah, for yeah. like a little bit of the, you know, obviously some of it's CGI, but all the sets are constructed. Like it's amazing because nowadays a lot of the period pieces, you know, like British period pieces, or whatever, so much of it is CGI. Yeah. Like they'll have a village and it'll just be CGI, you know, and I really hate it. Mm. I like the. And some of it's done street. well, but then you watch a film even from two or three years ago and you're like, that's pretty bad yeah. looking. It's either make it obvious that it is all CGI with, you know, human humans acting mm. within the CGI, that would be fine. 
because then it all matches. But humans in a CGI CGI environment, particularly using old tech. Yeah. yeah it's it's also like like surely like sometimes it would be like mountain scenes and that's CGI. I'm like, can't you find a mountain? Like yeah. I get that they're cutting costs, but anyway, I, I thought this show was really good. It's just the first season, it was released this year. It's called Kingdom. I just thought it was awesome. Kingdom. Like yeah. yeah. If you like scary kind of zombie movies, zombie mm. shows, you might like it. Um, that's cool. The female characters, there's only really two, not very well developed, but as, yeah. as a show, I thought it was really good. So Tom and I just finished watching that really quickly. Yeah. That was good. Did um, you do anything for Halloween? Did you go spooping? No, we had a Halloween party already. Yeah. I didn't do anything. No, I'm Did not. you? No, not mine, not with Kemba. No. <laughs> I dressed up as Wario. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, Joe, my uh, store manager, she <laughs> dressed up as Waluigi. So she was <laughs> nice. wearing like purplish stuff and I purple see eyeshadow on. Did you take no. your photos? So, were you working? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually put up LED lights all through the shop. Oh, yeah. Like strip good? lighting and stuff. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. So, mm. now I can change the lights depending on my mood. With <laughs> Is it always the, blue and red? The remote. No, no, I'm like, I'm feeling green today and everything turns green. Also, it's voice acting. I'm feeling I green. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, there is like stuff that you can like change it on your phone. You can get apps and stuff for wow, LEDs. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so I could change it remotely yeah. if I wanted to. Anyway, we haven't got much time, so we should get to Lebanon. I like the niceties. People yeah, will probably enjoy this. Some people. No, no one's going to care. All right, everyone's going to be downloading this you, wanting to listen to Have you prepped intro-outro? I have not. I'll find something in order to... There's, a, he's still ta- there's talking videos of him talking, right? There is. Yeah, yeah, I saw one. There is. We'll yes. find them. Yes. There'll be something here. <laughs> now, listen and enjoy en effet, je ne connais pas du tout mes lecteurs, mais il en est probablement que me suivent sans se manifester, ou bien qu'ils se manifestent dans l'intimité, par le public, par foule un peu, comme j'ai l'occasion, peut-être la chance ou le malheur, de l'aborder aujourd'hui. That was Emmanuel Levinas's voice, uh, him talking, or Levinas' voice, uh, talking about how he doesn't know his readers and how it's not, it's almost an echo chamber of how he's written and put out works into the world and how he doesn't get that feedback um, from the other, which is an interesting thing because it leads on to his philosophy. Yes. Um, now, before we get on to the text, which I know that you loved every every word of, yes. R. Smith. Um, Love. <laughs> the face. <laughs> um, just a brief inter- uh, um, interpretation of his life. So, Emmanuel Levin, born 1906 in Lithuania. Um, family moved to Ukraine. Uh, and he studied uh, philosophy. Uh, and he read literature such as Dostoevsky, which is very interesting that a lot of these uh, existentialist writers, you know, quote unquote, are reading fine literature. Um, and particularly the works of Dostoevsky. So perhaps one day we will go yeah, to talk. I'd like to. Yeah, not um, maybe not his larger works, but there are a number of shorter works that yeah. we can actually... Because he about. came up when we did um, Camus yeah. as well, yeah, someone yeah. that was quite important yeah, to totally. essentialism. And I, um, when I was given the opportunity to write the course stuff for Newcastle, I said, okay, well, we have to do Camus and then Tolstoy and then Dostoevsky, because then we can actually go, you know, Camus does a little bit of philosophy with his literature, yeah, but then Tolstoy and Dostoevsky, just literature, yeah. but they're considered philosophers as well, yeah. which is really interesting. Um, he met Heidegger, and he read 
being and time, um, and he reflects on this quite often throughout the rest of his life. His family, um, so he's Jewish, and his family um, was killed in the Holocaust. Um, his daughter, his wife, and his daughter survived because they um, took refuge in a, um, a monastery. Does that one of their friends? Ha- I read that he a friend helps out, That's like another right. philosopher friend helped yes. them out. Yeah. 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 Um, and then he he turns after the war to studying the Talmud, um, and he writes uh, Totality and Infinity, his PhD thesis. So I love these these two worded titles by lots of these philosophers of Make the time. Make it very confusing. <laughs> Being and time, totality and infinity, you know. Um, yeah. What's time and... Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, there's lots of different ones. He taught always in two places. So he was teaching Talmudic Judaism and then um, his philosophy and he had two different um, publishers for uh, lots of the period. Yeah. Um, and people look at that thinking, well... You know, did he want to keep the works separate? And the reality is that he wanted his works, which are philosophy, um, in the circle of philosophical thinkers. Um, and he wanted his Talmudic work in yeah. the, the space. There's also a pragmatic aspect. If you want something to get published, you probably wouldn't send, you know, you send it to a Talmudic. Yeah, yeah. So he's got two different. makes but, sense. Yeah. Um, Pope Jean-Paul II um, said that Levinas was his favourite philosopher of all time, which is lovely. Uh, and Jacques Derrida, I'll read what he wrote um, in his Adieu to Emmanuel Levinas, which is a, quite a beautiful um, work from a philosopher. I am very much a, a Derrida fan. Um, and how he writes about Levinas in saying goodbye, um, you know, Adieu is, is amazing. And he wrote that within three days of Levinas being buried. So he immediately, as he hears the news, he begins writing. And he writes, you know, one often speaks of the ethics. So this is according to Derrida, what what, um, Levinas said. You know, one also uh, often speaks of the ethics to describe what I do. But what really interests me in the end is not ethics, nor ethics alone, but the holy, the holiest of holy. And that's where his his philosophy actually comes from. So he's mixing Judaism and phenomenology, um, bringing them in together, and understands ethics as a first philosophy, an approach of how to engage with the world and life. And this is where we come to um, uh, the section B in the reading, um, which is separation and discourse, a section from totality, uh, totality and infinity, and we read from page 53 to page 81. I wish we just read the whole thing. Really? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, you did not like it? No. Okay. Um, Alright. So, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? Well, I just found it really confusing okay. in general. Maybe we start there. I liked reading about his life. I liked reading about, um, you know, that that philosophy does like a breakdown. It's called like, I think it's on the internet, like philosophy, not 101, but basically they go through each text. I found that quite helpful because it went through each section in, uh-huh. you know, that you know what I'm talking about? No. No. Anyway, it just like kind of breaks it down because I just found reading it really difficult. Mm. A lot of each sentence was confusing to me and because he writes very... Um, very like I don't know I found it really complex maybe because I'm we're starting 
like halfway through a text or mm. it's floral it's very floral well but it's not poetic like booba was it's different to me it's different yeah yeah you're right it's very it, well maybe esoteric yes like, yeah well he's a talmudic scholar yeah. so he's bringing that into it but what and, and we were mentioning this prior to, to what we discussed it's mm. funny that you like you found a connection better with booba's work rather than Levinas' work. You know, Buber is the more religious here mm. rather than Levinas, sort of. Like, they're both religious in their own way. Um, but I'll read a section just so to give an example of, of what you found difficult. And I can understand it um, here because when you said that, that message to me and I, I read this, I, I sort of, I get it. This is um, the first page, um, the, the first part of the paragraph. A separation of the, of the I that is not the reciprocal of the transcendence of the other, with regard to me, is not an eventuality thought of only by quintessential abstractors. It imposes itself upon mediation in the name of the concrete moral experience. What I permit myself to demand of myself is not comparable with what I have the right to demand of the other. Yes, I don't know what any of that means. Yeah. I would have to have read it like seven times and break each sentence yeah. down. That's what, how the only way I'd be able, be able to understand it. And I think, so a little bit of background as to, well, we're reading this in sequence, yeah? We're reading this for next week's reading as well. And to, to jump from Buber to Levinas and then to go forward and then looking at that modern existentialist thought. Yeah. Um, when I was given this work, a second year or third year, at uni, something like that. And it wasn't even a prescribed text. I think it was a secondary text. Yeah. And I started looking at the thinkers at the time. I'm like, Heidegger, no, nah, everyone reads Heidegger. Everyone sort of gets him after a while. And, you know, yeah. it's hard to understand or whatever. Um, and then I read Levinas and then went back to Heidegger. And I'm like, fuck, Heidegger's easy. What the hell is everyone t- talking about? I wanted to understand this. Yeah. And I, I went to Levinas and it's a text, I think, it's like... Um, Heidegger was explained in this way to me by by Tim, my old um, supervisor, that he's almost like a big steak dinner. You know, you, you just need to sit there and digest it. It's well, what's a, a vegan equivalent? <laughs> yeah. um, a big tofu. A dinner. big uh, yeah, a big curd dinner. Uh, <laughs> you, actually, just a side note: Have you thrown that tofu at the people downstairs? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's funny. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's like a big meal that you have to digest. It takes some time doing so, um, and that's Heidegger. Levinas, I think, is the same way. Um, but it's almost like, it's almost like a fruit that you have to keep peeling away at to get to the centre. Or like an onion with layers? Well, an onion with layer could be booba, because booba keeps going on about the same thing. If you Mm, get one thing of the the onion, the onion is the same. Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, we're trying to get to what the centre is. So he keeps circling around... Hmm. This this aspect of what he's trying to talk about with the separation hmm. of the totality and infinity, yeah. and it keeps going insular until we get to the center. I understand his ideas change a little bit too, like over the period, yeah. because yeah, he publishes he a lot, right? He does, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's what I liked about Buber is repetition. So it was like mm. it's like Buber starting with a concept. He's like, it's a bit like this, it's a bit like that, or it's a bit like that. So you're getting like five or six different ways to interpret the same the thing. The same thing, yeah. Whereas this is just like whoa, like each like I can't couldn't even follow a train of thought. Like I I didn't get through the whole thing because I mm. just got too confused. 
Mm. I like the ideas behind it and reading other people's interpretations of it. I like I get, I understand I think the basics. Yeah. Um, but all the nuances and stuff just went straight over my head. Okay. So maybe I'll step you and I through the text. Yeah, it might be good. And then idea. we can you can expand on, on the aspects which, you know, you're interested in. So what he's talking about initially here, um, it's under the section of atheism or the will, which I thought was interesting to give. Um to you, an agnostic who calls yourself atheist. Yes. So, <laughs> the, the id, um, or the I, of the I-thou, um, designates a separation for Levinas. So he's not comfortable with, with this, this separation of the ich-du or I-thou relationship. Mm, but Weber doesn't separate that, right? No. So this is where he makes clear in this... Uh, mm, where is it? So he's, he's, he's agreeing with Weber? Yep. Yep, he's just re-engaging with it. Um, he makes reference to Booba. This old mate Booba. This is going to be fun listening for everyone. Ah, here we go. Looking through your pages. Page 69, that's going to be lovely. Um, this work does not have to do with the ridiculous pretension of correcting Booba on these points. It is placed in a different perspective by starting with the idea of the infinite. Okay? So before we get to the idea of the infinite, the separation for um, Levinas is the understanding of the difference between yourself. If you focus on yourself and engagement with yourself in the world, it separates you from the outside. Here he's critiquing directly with what Heidegger does. So Heidegger talks about how being, you know, Dasein in the world, you know, Dasein, you in the world. And Levinas going, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you are not separated from the world. You are an interconnected being with all others, including what we ultimately call the infinity or God. So, so Heidegger's trying to, to sort of everything is perspective from you, yeah, and then everything is almost extra. Yeah, well. yeah, connecting on to the um, uh, phenomenologists almost. He's rewriting what phenomenologists do, and Levinas would say, well, he's just doing phenomenology as well. In yeah. a different way. But Heidegger still thought of the extra stuff's important in the world, nature, that there's things that are important, right? Yeah. Like, there yeah. is an importance there. But uh, the importance is for you to exist as a Dasein, as a proper being in that space. So oh, it okay. still go back. It goes back to you all the time. How did Heidegger interpret the other? Like other people? It's your engagement in that space of you. Okay. So, so it's so always so. you. Yep. Whereas um, Levinas is seeing... Well, no, there's something else here. There is a shaking experience, which Buber says, of you yeah. and the other. Um, Levinas says to go further that you cannot be a being without another. It is not possible for you to exist without the other here. So that does that mean that if you were a human that left on a desert island as a baby and you grew up there like that in isolation, would you not be considered to be, like you'd have no other? What no, the be? other can be anything. And this is where he's, he's talking about separation and interiority. So, yeah, you can have the imagination of being in that space. So the floating man, for example, yeah. right? Um, so this Avicenna um, talks about, you know, imagine your eyes are closed. You know, imagine you are in a space, in space, where your arms and your legs are extended. Each of your fingers and your toes are not touching anything at all in the world. So you have no sense. You're in a blank open space so you can't even see anything there's blackness you can't feel anything you can't speak and you can't hear anything do you have a sense of self 
an Avicenna with the floating man. So this is a medieval um, Islamic scholar. Says, well, yes, you do. You do have an understanding of you in that space. That is proof that you have a soul. And therefore, if you have a soul, there is an aspect of eternal um, mm. you know, salvation, possibly. And therefore, there is God. So he uses that to prove God. Would Levinus say the same thing? Absolutely. But I, my understanding is that Levinus is saying it's all to do with the other. So if there's no other, then how are you able to understand who you are? The other is the eternal other as well, the eternal thou, which Buber talks oh, about. Okay. So it's not just another human? No, no, it can be anything and everything. Right. And anything and everything is the other to us. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> um... That's separation and interiority. I want to read this quote and what he says about atheism and get... You want me to read it? Uh, If you want. Do you want to? Sure. One can call atheism the separation so complete that the separating being maintains itself in existence all by itself without participating in the being from which it is separated, eventually capable of adhering to it by belief. The break with participation is implied on this capability. One lives outside of God at home with oneself. One is an I, an egoism. The soul, the dimension of the psychic, being an accomplishment of separation, is naturally atheist. By atheism, we thus understand a position prior to both the negation and the affirmation of the divine, the breaking with participation by which the I posits itself as the same end as I. Do you think, do you think, I think I just realised why I don't like how he writes. He writes as I'd imagine someone trying to write a riddle might <laughs> write. Like, it's just, it's really, it's kind mm. of tricksy, the language. Like, mm. I find it like that. Like, There's lot of, lots of qualifications about every single sentence, yes. And they're long, really long sentences. If I was marking this as a kid's essay, I'd say, you need to simplify it. <laughs> yes. Well, they're not as long as Heidegger's, so it's yeah. not... Yeah. Yeah, very different to how Boober was trying to write. Mm. To me, Boober's writing to everybody, whereas this is quite intellectual, I find. Yeah. 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 So, um, that's not your atheism, is it? I wasn't really... I was too busy focusing on the reading. Can you explain it? So one can call the atheism that is a separation so so complete that the, that the separated, so the, the atheist, <laughs> being maintains itself in existence all by itself. So you're all on your own. That, make, that sentence doesn't even make sense to me. It does. Okay. Like, one, well, one. the fact you have to break down every sentence like this means it's too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm, one. I'm one enjoy- can call... <laughs> Okay. Atheism. I say how much I'm enjoying that you're hating this. It's so good. <laughs> One can call atheism this separation so complete that the separated being, so separated being, Got it. maintains itself in existence all by itself. Okay, yeah. Without participating in the being, capital B, from which it's separated. Okay. Yeah. Eventually, oh my god, this is not this is not eventually capable, capable of adhering to it, I believe. Yeah, okay. all right, so you're separated, yeah, okay. you're all on your own, yes, but you don't feel that way, no, no, no. so that's why you don't think I'm an atheist mm. because I'm still connected to something, mm. but is an atheism normally just not believing in God? Uh, oh, but you're saying God's everywhere, yeah, something, yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. So God's there with our A life divine life. energy can be existent. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I feel like you make up little stories in your head, even atheists do. Little, whatever you need. You need to have something to believe in something, whether it's... Well, yeah, connected morality exactly. or, you know, um, 
and oh, universal morality even. This is where Levinas actually touches. So this is where, you know, existentialists can look at Levinas going, aha, he's talking about the right thing. And then you can have someone like the Pope, literally the Pope, yeah. going, he's my favourite philosopher. Yeah, right. So he's really swaddling both camps. Both, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's why I think I like him so much. Yeah. Because he's, he's able to encompass all people. And where he's talking about the holy connects all of these, these things. Yes. What I also love about him is this passage. So this is 62. Yeah. Um, Truth is sought in the other, but by him who lacks nothing. The distance is untraversable and at the same time traversed. <laughs> so remember how we spoke about apophatic desire yes. to get towards something, but it's it's that thing that's on the distance and is always there yes, away the from journey, you. journey, yeah. holy And you play journey. journey, yeah? Yeah, so I understand. So when you're going there and you can see the mountain yeah. and you're stepping towards it, you're traversing the journey, but it's being traversed away from you at the same time as well. But that's okay. Yes. It's being on that, that journey and that existence that's yes. important. Yeah. Mm. You're not trusting. No, I just don't like the way this is written. Really? No. No, oh, I loved it. I feel like, yeah, every sentence is a riddle. Like, it would take me, like, six months to understand. I have to break down each sentence. There needs to be, like, a dumb-dumb version of Lemonade. Dumb-dumb. <laughs> you are a thing. <laughs> you walked to a shop. Like, there's no examples, you know what I mean? Like, where no, people would say, no like, examples, no. like, like, the tree, you know? Lemonade's, yeah. like, just, it's all, um, it's all far, so far removed. That's why I find it so hard. I yeah. feel like this is lofty, weird philosophy. This is the kind of philosophy I don't really like. Because oh. I feel like it's taken away from you and me and the now and the, and the people and I get that like you know he's he's not writing for every day and it's this kind yeah. of like hoity-toity philosophy that shits me mm. I don't know if I'm misinterpreting it but yeah. it's not written for everybody no no and when, how I teach this I show students um, Steve Cardiel videos of him dancing on chat roulette <laughs> um, you know and, and people being shocked on the screen and yeah. I liked all the face stuff. Like, yeah. that's interesting to me. Like, and he uses um, religious allegories for, for that, like mm. the mother and like certain allegories about that's what you're seeing in the face and mm. that this idea that there's a sense of responsibility yes. and that, that once you are faced with that other, you feel a sense of connection and a responsibility and then you are, uh, understand yourself through them as well. And I sure. thought that aspect really interesting. That's probably the only thing I understood though about the reading. Hmm. <laughs> See it. I thought you liked the politics versus religion component because he's talking about politics being reciprocal. I didn't get that far. Okay. <laughs> the face is further. I read that in a summary somewhere. Okay. I did not go very far with the text. 74, 75. Such <laughs> nudity is the face. The nakedness of the face is not what is presented to me because I disclose it. What would therefore be presented to me to my powers, to my eyes, to my perceptions in a light exterior to it? The face has turned to me. And this is its very nudity. It is by itself and not by reference to a system. So it it's there, yeah. the face of that other. It doesn't have to be the physical face as well. We have to get away from, uh, you know, some people go, oh, what if someone didn't have eyes? What if they're blind? What if they had an accident? So, oh, some people make that assumption, and I've heard that in some summaries. That's like, so guys, funny. you just, no. Yeah. Um, now, what he's talking about here is the presentation of the other person, like in the Buberian sense of, you know, being there and giving yourself up in some sort of weakness, yeah? Um, that 
requires a response and requires, what did you say? It was um, responsibility. Responsibility for the other. And this is what he says that the ethics comes from the face. Before, That's right. Before we start thinking of Kantian and whether yeah. it's utilitarian or not, yeah. we first feel empathy. And really, yeah. it's what he's talking about, right? We feel a kind of like an empathy towards each other mm-hmm. and we connect as, as individuals face to face. And that then you have the responsibility. You know, and and that's what we understand. My ethics come from that interaction, not later. The, that stuff can all come later. Yeah. He's kind of just taking us back to the basics because I'm sure a lot of the old people talking about ethics would have realised that mm. they just the thing already existed there. The ethics ethics people are trying to just make concepts to match it, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. But it's not the golden rule, so it's not do unto others as no. I do to you, because that denotes that you are imagining yourself as the other. Yeah. Which Bubba didn't like that as well. Yeah, yeah. So both of them sort of, um, there's that's similar to that, but really it is that that existence of the other in the space requires you to take some sort of ownership of that situation, ownership of your actions, and yes, empathy grows from that. Yeah. And it, it because whereas Heidegger was, is everything it relates to your interactions, your yeah. interactions with the tree, your interactions with you today, mm. your interactions of that, and but you know Heidegger also said you shouldn't be using people as a means. That's right. right. Yeah. So, but that that it's all from you and your interactions. Whereas Levin is talking about something different, right? Mm. He's talking about that that others almost interrupting, or they should exist as a a separate entity from from my interpretation. Mm -hmm. That you don't just exist on my experiences today. Correct. Where you fit it in with a a few hours of my day. You exist exist differently, right? Yeah, and like, yeah, so Buber's saying you exist in infinity. I cannot capture you. So, you Tara Smith, you... Okay, there is concepts that I understand about you, but there is concepts which I do not, and I cannot, um, nor can I ever understand you in yeah. totality um not it's like anyone. an enigma yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you uh, we all yeah. um are beyond bounds yeah but um, then then how is Levina different to that well Levina, it's more of the responsibility that is taken for the other so there is a responsibility there there is an interaction which happens with Buba. the responsibility here is with Levina. So he says, to recognize the other is to recognize a hunger. To recognize the other is to give, but to give to the master, to the Lord, to him whom approaches as you in a dimension of height. So it's the giving aspect of it. Well, who's giving? You're giving them or they're giving, giving to you? What are you giving? Anything. Like, uh, you're, you're giving... Um, understanding of the other as very existent well what does that mean though of course you do of course i realize you exist what does that mean it's not understanding you as well he he thinks that people may not he's trying to understand the interaction between others this doesn't make sense i have another quote okay Yeah, so the, the proximity of the other, yes. the proximity of my neighbour, is in being and in, in illutable <laughs> moments of revelation of an absolute presence that is disengaged from every relation which expresses itself. But well, that's so not it's, true, because you, you exist as relation to me as well. 
because you know we know each other you know there's all these connections it's not you don't just exist as you are completely separate from any relations no but he's saying that the shared look and experience between the two of us now is a, a uniformed experience so he's looking at that experience a uniform experience for who me or for everybody uh for you and for me it is reciprocal so once we have that experience we are then in totality we are then understanding in infinity so it is through this experience of the two of us... So we can know God, is that the idea? <laughs> well, no, so that we can exist in infinity. We, we exist in totality. What does that mean, exist within totality? So you, as the self, cannot <laughs> yes. exist on your own. Okay. You exist with the other, and as only in that existence of the two of you together yeah. is there a totality. Without that existence, you cannot have... But Boob is saying the same thing. No, you know, Boob was the connection. You can't Boober have is the talking I about them. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I and whatever. There's that. There's that little line that links the two. That's it's right. the same. But there is the ick still on its own. The I on its own. No, no, he didn't think it was on his own. He thought it was always in connection or something. No, he he tried to understand the connection of you and the other. So he talks about you and then the tree and then you as in the other person, you and this thing, right? right. And, so, and then for um, Levinar, he's saying, okay, we'll, we'll understand that as the I-thou relationship. Um, what can we potentially have with just the eye on its own? He says, we can't have that. Okay. It is always in connection. But it can be imagined, like the guy on the island would still have it? He, he the guy um, on the island <laughs> would potentially have that with something else. And if they can have that with something else, then they are in totality. But have what? If they can, this doesn't make any sense. This is so intangible. Relation. Yeah, relation. So that, that relation can be with God. Or with an animal. Or with an animal. Yeah. It, where, where is this example? There's no example. He's just a terrible writer. He's not a terrible writer. <laughs> He's a terrible philosopher. He's a I celebrated it. philosopher. He's what, a what I do like mm. about him is that he's had this shitty, shitty, shitty life and he's quite, finding quite a positive understanding of ethics. But he does believe that there's some power in that connection between people, which yes. is really amazing because I, I imagine if it was me who had been through, you know, all that terrible treatment mm. and blah, blah, blah. I find it very difficult to think that there's any sort of connection between... Or that people yeah. care about that. Because, obviously, there's a lot of people that, that don't, right? That yeah. that can look at you face-to-face and then shoot you or yeah. do something horrible. So, so how, how can people do that? If, well, and this is where we'll go to next week with, with actually looking at the Holocaust yeah. and, and that, that actual example. But to get there, I think we have to understand what Levinas' main point is other as relation. You know, so you... Uh, as other is as relation to myself and only through that relation of the, the sameness is a holy matrimony if you like of existence as as infinity so we existence through so there's all these like words that just don't make me anything really to me like infinity meaning what god um inescapable um understanding so go back to Buber's thing so we understand each other. If I start thinking of, um, okay, so Tara's PhD student catches cats, shouldn't catch cats. <laughs> <laughs> Mother as politician, you know, all of these these things. It's trying to capture you. And if that is all you are, to me, I have treated you as an it, and yeah, it's yeah, captured you, that. right? I so, get booba, like I get booba. All right. So if you understand booba, and then you understand booba thinks, well, I can't understand you as that. You are actually infinite. You are an infinite being. For Levinar, he says, well, no, for totality of yourself, you are connected with the other, and only through that connection is an inescapable or ineffable um, relation between the two 
that in itself is infinity other is relation itself okay. I still don't think I get it okay. no. <laughs> so it's more about so I mean how would this look like in an example give me an example how, how this might happen this connection with the other or we, we all go through it every day but my understanding was that is that boobers either are difficult to attain, right? You don't, you're not often. You give the example of going mm. to the, the petrol station, right? Mm. Mm. And that using people as a, as a means and blah blah blah, and mm. that it's very difficult to think of somebody outside of. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. If their relationship is uh, the our relationship is something to strive towards, yes. whereas the uh, it relationship is how what happens yeah. all the time. Whereas so so with, I, one I don't really understand what Levin is really contributing differently to boober. Second of all, I don't really understand understand um or what this actually his example actually looks like so you and i would be us having a relation a friendship is mm. uh, is what is that our connection to the infinity yeah what does that mean yes we are we are in, in infinite space together oh so you mean like temp we're breaking up the temporal so we exist in the now only by our mm. interaction with each other that's right as soon as we leave and we're on our own and we're moving towards time we're we're sort of in the past now that's right yeah, so yeah. Our so connection to the now that's right yeah, yeah. Okay. and then there will be other connections that you'll potentially have with other others so then you will be existing so it's like we're existing on a timeline and it's only throughout interactions with the other person or god or whatever that we are connecting to the to now timeline before progressing to it doesn't really have to do with time, but I think it's, that's an easy way to think about it, and it might bring clarity. Yes. Yeah. So then, uh, only through that existence of each other in this way are we infinite in that regard. On our own, then we are limited beings. So we it's like we we can work towards something different outside us god something interesting mm. only in this connection right. and not on our own that's right and but that you can have that connection, connection with, with god anything. or anything yeah, yeah yeah and 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 that connection has to be something i assume it has to be more like the i thou less like the i it right that's right yeah. yes but yeah, he yeah. doesn't spend much time talking about that no no because okay. he's he accepts what Buber says right. and finds that useful mm. um but what he's talking about is well how what does the being exist on its own and how does it exist in the I yet? And he says, well, we don't really an, an I then. Mm. So so he would be maybe a little bit dismissive of, of a monk living out in isolation? No. trying No, because he'd be trying to find God yeah. in that sense. That's right. Or well, they could have a relationship. Well, who's not doing this then? Like, who's who's anti, not doing what Levin is kind of suggesting? I think the person that strives for the I yet all the time um, would be the antithesis of, of the uh, infinite being. Or the being in totality. So, um, Eichmann, probably. Adolf Eichmann, the, the guy that organised Holocaust and stuff. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. So, um, thought he did a good job because he limited the amount of bodies on a train that were going from Hungary. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty shit, you know, to exist as a human that way and looking at people as numbers. So, there's an implication that, that, that the interaction has to be positive? Like, well, if he was if he was staring at someone face to face and decided to do those calculations, would he be kind of still existing in there? Okay. Yeah, so right. yeah, I, I don't know. I guess so. I guess there has to be some sort of neutral or positive aspect to it. Right. Because if you're understanding uh, the being that you're looking at as an infinite being, and then you want to limit that being by right. destroying it, that's that's a bit weird. We well, don't anymore. 
No, yeah. It's the I just find like it's hard. I don't find it useful. I don't find how this is useful in your everyday life. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I don't find how he's adding anything to Boob is already giving so much power to the connection. Okay. Yeah, and I don't think that's the point. I don't think it's an ethical discourse and trying um, to exist in your life. I think it's trying to explain how we go about our lives. And how we understand and How self. we understand. Yeah, whereas Boober is more the one to look at as an ethical point of view. You know, but this is all about the eth- all he's talks about about the ethics pre-existing. Uh, yeah, he's talking yeah. about first ethics. Yeah, so first for ethics. philosophy is first ethics. So it is about yes. ethics. Um, it, it's understand. It's explaining what we do, and how we might understand that interaction with others. Whereas, if you wanted a um, a rule book mm-hmm. on how to live your life, mm-hmm. I wouldn't give Levinas to people. Yeah. I would give Buber yeah. to people. But also, existentialism is about is about about living in the world and, and having some sort of angst, right? We all live in some sort of existential dread or yeah. this problem that Camus and Sartre were trying to understand. Why do we go through the motions? What What is the purpose? Why is everything kind of so shit? And, and how do we find meaning, right? Yeah. And we've talked about how Camus talks about, you know, trying to imagine, going through the motions but trying to be happy. Sartre tried to radicalise it a little bit and say, fuck, quit your job, become a tambourine player, whatever. So, <laughs> you know, right? So he was quite <laughs> radical. You did say that, yeah. yeah. Stop being a waiter. <laughs> Stop being a waiter, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So how does this fit into the existential dread? What is Levener giving us? You know, I, I feel like all these forces are giving us a little piece of how to live in the world and how to be, how to try and understand our, our role and how to find out why everything's so shit and try and make it a little, be- a little bit better or a bit more bearable. How's Lebanon making it more bearable? I think he's saying that how we interact with each other is the holiness, is the infinity, and just to take solace in that, understand that that actually is an infinite experience. Okay. And, and if you can strive towards that, then good. So people important. People <laughs> other important. Other is everything. Other, other is relation. And then, and yet, and that yet, you have those atrocities. You can be looking face to face with somebody. You can see them, and you can look into their eyes, and you can think, Mm. "This is someone like me. This is important." And then still kill them. It's pretty fucked up. It is, yeah. So if if you're in that, then yeah, it shows a lot about that individual that's doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, because they're definitely in the um, I it. That's right. To the extreme, right? Yeah. Or they're not living. Or they're not. Or they're hiding there. They're not, oh, yeah, they're not, or they're not even thinking at all, which is even worse than all of those things. Yeah. And that's where Arendt talks about, and Hannah Arendt, in, in that you, if you're existing there and you don't even think of that person as mm. a, a person, you're not, or you're not even questioning the orders. Mm. Uh, okay, I've given this order. No worries, that's fine. Mm. Um, we're talking about this as a minimal effect at, at Mark's work this week. So Mark's work... Shared this this photo of all of these PVMs, like old TVs, right? This is at UTS that okay, they're possibly right. throwing yeah. out. Yes. Um, so big old box TVs, yeah? Like yeah, the CTs. Yeah, yeah, called, CRTs, yeah. yeah. And the people have been told that they have to throw them out. Now, if these things go to a tip, they will take about um, 6,000 to 20,000 years to break down, right? Bad. Yeah, really bad. Um, all they need is recapping, which is going to take you know, about 50 hours each. Um, it takes a lot of work, but there are people out there that are interested in doing these yeah, things. Like right? retro gamers like you said. Absolutely, yeah. So Mark's gone to them and said, you know, can we have them, right? Now, the university is decommissioning them, which means they're off the books. There is no longer any risk attached oh, to no them. There's no data in them. 
No, no. You could no. use to get all the yeah. secrets. Nor is there any risk with people getting them and getting electrocuted because they've been decommissioned. I mean, they're turned off. Turned off. Decommissioned and off the system. Yeah. Right? So they're put out to waste. Sounds sad. Yeah. Decommissioned. <laughs> yeah. It's poor CRTs. <laughs> yeah. So they've been decommissioned. Now, it's just like trash that is on the sidewalks, right? And this yeah. is why, as a councillor, I wanted to have the um, cleanups in the area all at the same time rather so than the phone. Yep, so people yep. can go and take that and rubbish. Pe- people love pick. dumpster diving. People love picking, yeah. Myself included. Okay, right. So, um, now, the people that are actually tasked with taking those things downstairs and getting rid of them, it's 123. <laughs> you've got. 37 minutes. Tara gets angsty as as we progress close to... Anyway, um, so... Last time I saw... Um, Okay, so the people that have been tasked to decommission the things are following orders. Right? We must decommission our computers. (laughs) Yeah, now, it happened the same thing to me at MacArthur Square where they were decommissioning a shop. And I spoke to centre management and I said, okay, there's three monitors there, the keyboards and the mice, I can actually use them. And the centre manager, this is not current centre manager, mm. to be fair to her, um, the old one said, well, they're being decommissioned, they're part of the decommission. I'm like, okay, well, can you put them just next to the bin downstairs? And that's fine. Instead of doing that, they threw them in the bin so they'd smash up and I wouldn't get the chance to take them. Yeah, right. That, sh- like, it shows, um, like, a complete... Dis- yeah, <laughs> a complete disservice and complete... Um, irrationality mm-hmm. of you as a human because you're not even questioning the orders that you've been given. Um, and I but said, that's that's to me is bureaucracy. That's that's about yeah. lawsuits and lit, 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 litigate, litigation. litigation, not wanting to get sued so that you don't take that computer and it falls on you and you don't. Okay, yeah, but yeah. why would you not, as someone who works in that experience, question the superior? If you... And, I don't hire people that say, oh, yeah, the shop's fine. Yeah, I know. I expect someone to be in their job to question if something is wrong. Yeah. And the reality is that there are people in life that go through their life and don't question this experience. So these CRTs, who knows what's going to happen to them, there'll be updates next week, maybe, mm-hmm. um, whether they'll be saved or not. Um, the little quality sure. of CRT. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the same thought process is yeah, going yeah. through some of these people. The, the, I understand what you mean. So, like, obviously, you shouldn't follow the law all the time just because someone tells you to do it. You should. It's be not thinking, the law. It's oh, the, you know, the the the, the um, instructions or the orders. Yes. Above. Yeah, yeah. You are. You should be expected to question, and you should be innovative and bring change. Yeah. I Otherwise, know you you're just wasteful. You're a cog in the machine. Hmm. And I don't want to make everyone a revolutionary. <laughs> like it's not that's not my, my point in yeah. life. But but I mean, there's examples like that all the time. Same with people you said throwing out all those computers rather than putting ads. All, all those textbooks I found, law textbooks. They yeah. could have just put them all on a desk yeah. and people would have just grabbed them. They were free, right? Yeah. People would just grabbed them. There's some of them like 2018 editions. Yeah, doesn't just, matter. But they but to the thought process to get them all to get them from the desk or the whoever's computer uh, sorry whoever's library it was put them on a desk lay them out and write three books on a piece of paper was too much effort than yeah. throwing them all in the bin. Yeah. People just so don't bad. care. Yeah. So bad. And then they'll push, they'll push. They'll push recycling though. You know what I mean? The university will like, yeah, we've got recycling bins. It's like, yeah. but they don't care about so much other stuff. It's yeah. stupid. We we'll try it every at the shop. I try it with even those like crappy three sixty Xbox three sixties. They're not working. I grab a stack of ten and then sell them all for like whatever. Yeah. Just make an offer on Facebook Marketplace. People go, oh, I have 
20 bucks for all of them. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But just make some use yeah, out no of one them. Wants Xbox. No great. one wants it. But just make some use out of them. Like yeah. these things took effort to make. Yeah, especially e waste. I feel like e waste yeah. could surely people can reuse some stuff. Absolutely. And there's enough people out there, like there's vintage computer groups and all of these people, that there's people screaming yeah. out for that sort of stuff that don't have the money yeah. for it and want that opportunity. Yeah. Well, it, don't worry. If I see a CT, yeah. CRT, CRT yeah. on the side of the road again, I'll drop it to you. Good, good. So that's not what Levin are saying, necessarily. Yeah. But he is saying that there is a face-to-face reaction that we have with the other, mm-hmm. and that other requires you to understand it as infinity. Yeah. And I also think this is an important point when we're talking about warfare and, and, and you know, because there's all those stories about people during World War One or, or whatever, or, or World War Two shooting and purposely shooting up at the sky yeah. because they just don't want to shoot the people in front yeah, of them. Yeah, when they're looking at Because when they're looking at them, right? Because, you know, and I, I can't remember which war, but they've done studies where they've, saw, they've seen all the bullets around and people clearly don't mm. want to do it, especially people that have been conscripted and stuff. Yeah. Right? They didn't want to do that. They, people don't generally want to kill each other they just don't and yet um once you remove that facial element and we look at you look at drone warfare and things and that aspect oh when it goes into the um the green screen with the white body there and it's no longer yeah you can see the shape of the body but you can't see the face of the person so then it's psychologically better for the people that are actually you know controlling the drone or whatever Mm. Actually, okay, yeah, now I will shoot that. Yeah, that. it's totally removed, right? Yeah. You're not no longer seeing those crying children as they're running out from mm. the bombs hitting. Yeah, no, you know, they go, oh yeah, mission accomplished. It's a video game as well. Three white things that have been blown up. That's human beings that yeah. you've just really destroyed sad. there. It's, it's bad. And, you know, it's getting... It, it's funny, though, because in discourse, the others often seen as being something negative right you other by othering something it often isn't a positive thing because you're making it as something else so there's like me human you other mm. so you know and we talk about how like often the others then becomes once you've othered it it's no longer human you can yep. then do atrocities against them because they're an animal or they're yep. vermin or you know what i'm saying so it's interesting that Levin is sort of taking control of the term the other and yep. not making it negative anymore but trying to include that as, as being as a relation sacred. to you and a sacred yeah. yeah whereas and I think that this is where the differential uh, differential with Buber and Levin is so Buber says well no the other can be understood as an it Levin says well no as soon as you understand the other as the other it is relation like that yeah. is the it relation it can't no return to it no. yeah there is that Mm, it's interesting. Yeah. I do. I definitely prefer Booger. Yeah. Um, I like the concepts of Levinas. I just found his writing really difficult. Mm, understand. Yeah. Um, next week we're doing... Melissa Raphael, um, the female face of God in uh, Auschwitz. Yeah. Um, so there won't be much background on her because she's a modern um, academic, mm-hmm. but she wrote an awesome book. Um, and I would love for you to read it and bring your thoughts to it, particularly in the light of um, Booba last week and Levina this week. And yeah, because we're doing a little triage. We are, we are. And then what we do after that, I'm not sure. My stomach mm. is going to explode. You're hungry? I think so. Yeah, I'm probably going to be hungry for a couple of days. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm sure everyone's so thrilled to know about your stomach movements. Mm, yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, that is it. For Levinar. Yeah. Hope thanks. you enjoyed. Thanks for listening to me trying to puzzle it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hope, well, I know you didn't like reading it, but I think that the concepts are good and hopefully you found that useful. Yes. Mm. Okay. Au revoir. Bye. Bye. Bye.